I would ask that you turn with me in your Bibles uh, this evening to our text, which comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, We'll be finishing up chapter uh, 7 this evening, looking at verses uh, 19 to 29. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verses 19 to 29. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 19 to 29. Please and hear with me the reading of God's Word. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than uh, ten rulers who are in a city. Uh, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth uh, who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and Deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I have found, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Thus far as a reading of God's Word. Well, in order to understand... 19 going forward, we need to uh, remember what we concluded with in verse 18 last week. Right In verse 18 last week, there Solomon said, It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Now, what is both of them there that we need to come out from? Right? Remember last week as we looked at verses 15 to 17, there was those two sorts of of wickedness that were uh, provided for us to see. One was uh, self-righteousness, wasn't it? Where Solomon says, do not be overly righteous. There he was talking about a a perceived self-righteousness, right above uh, the righteousness of God. Uh, The other sort of uh, wickedness then was um, essentially just flagrant evil, right? Flagrant sin without any uh, conscience uh, being pricked any longer by your sin. And so this is why he says, and, right, do not be uh, overly uh, wicked or, or be a fool. But how does he conclude that we avoid such evils? The evil of self-righteousness or, or uh, a total disregard for the law of God. Well, he concludes by saying that we are to, to fear God. Right? That's how you avoid those, those pathways, right? through the fear of the Lord. It's because when you fear God, uh, which is something that you can't do unless you know God and you love God, uh, what it does then is, is uh, it, uh, cause you to desire uh, to obey the law of God uh, and to obey the commandments of God, ultimately because you desire to glorify God now, for you fear your Lord. Um, be, and that fear, though, uh, is not uh, a servile fear. right? What... what uh, Solomon is talking about here is, is not uh, the fear of the Lord in the sense that I only uh, try to escape these two pathways 
because I'm afraid of what God will do to me. And I'm afraid that I'm going to suffer the, the pains of hell because of it. But rather, it's a, I want to avoid these two pathways, right? Because I know that displeases my Father who is in heaven. And I, uh, like a child, have childlike uh, trust in Him. And so I want to, to do what is right and what is good for, for the sake of my Father, knowing that He is gracious and kind and, and loving towards me. Right? This is why Solomon will go on to say in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. No knowledge will profit you and I spiritually unless it starts and begins with the fear of the Lord. Only then will He fill us up with, with spiritual knowledge that we need to avoid those two pathways. Right? It's only when you have the fear of the Lord, you have the spiritual knowledge right, to come out of both of those ways, as Solomon says. This is why then he concludes in verse 18, Right? For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. And so it's, it's this wisdom that I want us to see that we're starting from. A wisdom that springs forth from fear of God that causes now Solomon to say what he's going to say here starting in verse 19. Where he says, Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in the city. Now this will be the starting point for our, our first uh, bullet point this evening. And we'll call that what Solomon finds in wisdom. What Solomon finds in wisdom. And we see here that Solomon makes many discoveries uh, about wisdom, doesn't he here? The first thing that he declares is that uh, wisdom makes strong. Wisdom makes strong. Uh, There's more strength in wisdom then there is strength in, in ten right, mighty rulers. But why is that? Well, because right, a ruler who maybe uh, has great authority and power right, has no power no matter how physically maybe strong they are or how many soldiers they may have at their behest. Right? They, have, they have no power uh, to, uh, to quench the, the thirst for sin in their lives or to stop the, uh, the, their, their soul from entering into, into damnation because of sin. Um, isn't it often the case, even with, with uh, people who are in positions of power, people who are strong, who are mighty, that they are the, the type that will oftentimes look to that strength, right? look to that authority, look to that power and trust in that. Right? Oftentimes it's, it's those sorts of folks who, who don't need to look to the Lord, they feel, right? because they have everything in themselves what they need. And isn't uh, really uh, Goliath. Right? Remember Goliath the Philistine. I think he's a, a great example of, of, what, of what that power and authority can do to someone. Right? It can fill you up with pride, causing you not to look to the Lord, but rather to, to look inside to yourself. Uh, that's what uh, uh, Goliath does. If you remember, uh, he challenges every or any Israelite uh, to a kind of a 1v1 battle. And the victor of that would be the victor of, of, the, of the whole battle. And... Uh, we're told that David comes in with a, a few stones in hand and, and he's essentially right, mocked by Goliath. Right? Why? Because Goliath was the mighty warrior. Right? Goliath was a warrior, we're told, from his youth. And in the text, we're told that David was but a youth right, when he approaches to, to, to do battle with, with Goliath. Uh, but what David was, excuse me, but what was David's response while all of Israel feared Goliath. This was his response. He says to, to Goliath, You come to me with a sword 
and a spear with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, right? the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And so David doesn't defeat Goliath because David is mightier than Goliath or he is a more powerful warrior than Goliath because we know that's not the case, but rather he defeated Goliath because he had the fear of the Lord before his eyes, that he uh, had the wisdom then of God and knew that, that it wasn't him fighting Goliath, but rather that the Lord was with him, the, the Lord was, was by his side. Uh, this is though why we ought to see that uh, that wisdom that is given to the believer who has the fear of the God before their face uh, is stronger, right? And more powerful than a, than a whole room full of, of, of mighty men, of rulers or, or of warriors. Because no matter how physically strong someone is, no matter how much uh, power someone has, uh, they can do nothing to stop that, that indwelling sin that, that reigns supreme inside of them. But for the one who has the wisdom of God because they fear God, well, that wisdom does what for us? Right? That wisdom makes us strong in the sense that it, it guides our footsteps. Right? It directs us in, in conflict. Um, it uh, helps us out of temptation. Um, it teaches us how we are to respond to, to all of our spiritual enemies. And so this, brothers and sisters, this, this wisdom is de- to be preferred to the, to the strength of, of no matter how many mighty men because ultimately what true wisdom teaches us is what? That we are helpless. Right? That we are helpless, that we are weak, that we are frail, that we are not to rely on ourselves, but rather we are to trust in the Lord who is the strength of His people. Uh, wisdom also, though, teaches Solomon that, that even the righteous still sin, doesn't it? It teaches them that the righteous still sin. Now, now you and I know that, don't we? Right? We know that even the holiest of people, the, the ones who walk closest with the Lord, are, are still sinners. I think it was uh, Martin Luther uh, who, who said, I wrote down this quote, I, I believe it was Luther, I'm not, I'm not for sure, so don't quote me on that, but, but Luther says this, uh, always a sinner is our name until the end. Always a sinner is our name to the end. Right? The one who's been justified. Right? The one who's been put in right standing before God, who has the Spirit living inside of them, who now walks with God, is still a sinner. And what a, what a, a testimony though that is, right? That, that even those who have the, the fear of, of God, uh, that we are, are still sinners. But that's what wisdom does for us, doesn't it? It, uh, opens our eyes up. Right? True wisdom helps us to see us as we are. Right? It helps us to see us uh, for who we are as ourselves. It illuminates our understanding. It, it teaches us about the universal problem of sin, doesn't it? Right? That, that wisdom that comes from above teaches us about the, the total corruption of the sinner. And these are good things to learn. Right? These are good lessons that wisdom teaches because unless we understood this, unless we knew these things, we would never flee to Christ and see our need for a Savior. And the believer still needs to remember that. Right? We still need to remember this. And how could we not? Right? How could we not? Every, every day, now having our eyes open uh, through faith in Christ, uh, do you not see your own weakness? Right? Do we not see our own frailty? Uh, do we not see through our, our daily sin, right, our very defects that remain still with us? 
And with this insight, he goes on to say this in verse 21. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Now, brothers and sisters, we all, I think, understand that this can be nothing but wisdom from above, right? Because according to our nature, right, by our nature, we want to hear everything someone has to say about us, don't we? Now, I hope it never happens in, in this church, but perhaps at other churches you've been to. Right? You've maybe thought someone was, was speaking about you. And what do we usually do if you think someone's talking about you? Right? You, you start to scoot over a little bit closer to them, right? So you can maybe catch their ear. If they're off eating snacks, you might all of a sudden decide to go grab a cup of coffee so that you might be able to, to hear if, in fact, they're saying something about you. Or if the person you think's talking about you leaves, what do you do? You, you walk up to the person that they were talking to and you say, hey, what were you guys talking about? Were you talking about me? Was anything about me being said? And as soon as we learn that something was, what happens? What, what becomes of us? All of a sudden we become angry, don't we? And we want to go and we want to confront that person for maybe unkind or unflattering things that they said to us. But as Solomon points out, how quickly we forget, brothers and sisters, that we are no better than they, that we are just as guilty as others, perhaps maybe just we haven't been caught yet. That's why wisdom, though, says what? It says, forbear with the weaknesses of others. Right? Wisdom says, uh, show charity to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because maybe they just had a really bad day. Right? Uh, maybe they're going through many struggles in home or at work. Uh, maybe they're really frustrated about something and so they just right, say something without thinking. I mean, that, that's the benefit of the doubt that we give ourselves when we commit that sin, don't we? Well, why would we not give that benefit of the doubt to our, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, knowing that we ourselves, oftentimes, when we find ourselves saying something right, evil about someone else, we go home and what happens? Our conscience convicts us and we say, ah, I knew I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Right? You see, that's, that's God correcting us. Right? God doesn't always need you to be the one to correct others. Right? We all, brothers and sisters, need, a, I think, a lot less anger over other people's sin towards us. And we need to get a lot more angry about our sin towards others. But sadly... Especially right in the, in the Christian church, that's not the case, is it? Uh, we're, we're harsh on others, very soft on ourselves. When what ought to be true is that we ought to deal very tenderly with others. And we ought to be most severe right, with ourselves. That's what wisdom says to you and I. Now look in verse 23. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? What Solomon here is confessing is what John Calvin called uh, learned ignorance. Learned ignorance. Which means this, that once you receive this wisdom from above, immediately you learn that there's a whole bunch of things you don't know. Right? That there's a whole bunch of things that you are ignorant of. Right? That your wisdom has deficiencies, that your wisdom has, has limitations, that you don't know everything. Right? The fool says in their heart, they know it all. But 
The one who is, who is wise understands there's, there's so much out there to learn that we don't know, which is why what? We turn to the uh, omniscient God and we place our trust in Him. Right? We, we trust Him, believing that, that He knows all things and He's directing all things to their proper ends according to His perfect knowledge. And we rest in that. Right? And we're content with, with the things He has given us to know, which is contained here in the Scripture. Now in verse 25, Solomon says that not only did he turn his heart to seek wisdom, but also the schemes of things. To know wickedness and folly and foolishness, that is madness. This leads us to our, our final uh, short point here this evening, which is what Solomon found in folly. Right? What Solomon found in, found in folly. Now what does he found, find here? Well, in verse 26 we're told, something more bitter than death. Well, what is that? Now the woman whose heart is snares and nets... And whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Now, who is this woman that Solomon speaks of? Well, we all know that Solomon is also the author of the book of Proverbs, right? And in the book of Proverbs, uh, he personifies uh, wisdom, and in particular, two kinds of wisdom uh, by with women, right? So there's these two type of of, of women that are these two types of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and that's what we need to see that he's, he's using here. Um, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, Wisdom cries out in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. And Solomon will go on to say that, uh, that blessed is the one who finds that wisdom. Right? But what's the other wisdom then? Well, in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 4 and 5, Solomon says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. And so, who's the second woman? Well, opposite of the first. right? If the first woman was wisdom that comes from above, that we ought to seek out, well, the second woman is wisdom that comes from below, that we ought to stay away from, who, who is, uh, deceives us, who is an adulteress. This woman destroys, deludes, blinds the sinner, and they have no power against her. She takes over them with her lies. She controls them. This is who that woman then is in verse 26. The godless cannot escape her, but the good news is that the one who is in the Lord can. By the grace of God, He enables us to escape her snare. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Right? This is not the case for those who do not love the Lord. In fact, with them, what God will do will remove His restraining power so that they fall headlong into sin. Right? We spoke about Judas earlier. We'll use Judas as kind of a double example today. Right? That's the case with Judas. Right? God removed the, the restraining grace that was holding him back and allowed Judas now to, to just go into full-fledged sin and to betray his Lord. Right? But he doesn't do that to us. He's faithful to his people. Solomon then goes on to say in verse 27, This, behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the schemes of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a 
A woman among all these I have not found. Now, I want us to understand that Solomon is not doing any woman bashing here. He's not doing woman bashing. Um, when it talks about zero out of uh, a thousand women I found, men, none of you are to be nodding your head up and down. Right? Or your wife will surely give you a crack. Um, but rather, what he's talking about here is that is what he found that is true of all people. And that all are sinners. right? The, the, the godly and the godless. right? One in a thousand men is not much better than zero in a thousand women, is it? Right? That's what he finds. Right? He finds what he's saying. Right? No truly righteous person. All, all have sinned against God. Now, remember also, though, that Solomon is speaking from his own experience as well. And so, you know, this can be just a, a guess, but perhaps that one in a thousand men that he's talking about is someone like the prophet Nathan, right, who helped him secure his, his kingship. Um, but then also at the same time, if we think about Solomon's life, right, why do you think he would say that he has found zero out of a, a thousand women that are righteous? Well, ultimately, right, what did David himself have as an experience with women? He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, what are we told about them? That those women all led his heart away from the Lord. Right? They all took him away from the Lord. So right, this is why he says, zero in a thousand women I have found. Um, but also we need to see that, that Solomon recognizes his own sinfulness. Right? That, that Solomon belongs to that 999 unrighteous men that he has found as well. Right? He's, he's just as guilty. He is a, a sinner like us all. But this is what wisdom teaches him to confess. Right? That all have fallen short of the glory of God. That all are sinners. This is why in verse 29 then he concludes, See this alone I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Right? This is something that only wisdom allows us to find. That that from the beginning, God created man good. Right? He created us upright, but rather it was man then who, who turned their back on God. Right? It was man who, who betrayed God, who, who fled God, and continues to flee God uh, in this life. But what does this true wisdom, though, reveal to him? That, that we all right, suffer a miserable condition when we come into this world. Right? No longer in the original righteousness of, of Adam. Right? Remember that Adam was the federal head of all of humanity. When Adam fell, we fell. When Adam lost that original righteousness and, and holiness and honor, right, so too did we all. Right? In Adam's sin, we are all guilty. But thankfully, brothers and sisters, we can rest in this, that, that the first Adam was not the last Adam. Right? That the, the first Adam was not the final Adam. And so let us bless the Lord's name, for He has provided us what? Restoration, hasn't He? And He has provided us security from ever right, losing anything because of our sin again for those who are now in Christ. For Christ came as the second Adam. Right? Christ died for our sin. He, he suffered the penalty for that sin. Took it upon Himself. Bore it on the cross. And now, for all of those who believe, He covers us with His, his wings of protection. Right? So that our salvation now is secure in the Lord. And in doing so, He has done what? He has moved us into a a state of happiness. But it's a state of happiness that is unlike Adam's. Right? Adam was created in a state of happiness that could be lost. 
you and I have been moved into a state of happiness that can never be lost. Right? We can never fall out of favor with God again. Not because of what you and I have done, though, but because of what, what Christ has done. Um, but we need to see, though, that then we have no righteousness in us. That we need to, to look to, to Christ, come to the same conclusion that Solomon did, that, that we have schemed against the Lord, that we are a sinner, and that we need right, the righteousness of another. Uh, for although we schemed in many ways, though Christ did not. Right? Christ did not. He perfectly feared God. He perfectly obeyed God right, for you and I. See how the uh, evolutionary ideology is, is wrong then. Right? What does evolution teach us? It's man over time becomes a, a more moral and better and upright being. When in fact, Scripture tells us the opposite is true. Right? Man was created upright. Right? Man was created morally good. And now, because of sin, man has fallen. Right? We've been on a, a decline because of our sin. And the only way, brothers and sisters, for us to be made upright again right, is through turning to the cross, right? looking, to, looking to Christ by, by faith. And so, may each one of us then be humbled by this this day. May we be more conscious of our, of our own sin and cry out to the Lord for mercy. And then praise God for His thankfulness out of His infinite love for all that He has done for you and I. Because if it was up to you and I, if it was left up to, to you and me, we would find so many ways to scheme against God still and, and lose our salvation. But thanks be to God that, that God is faithful. And for everyone who is found in Christ, uh, you will never fall away from God again. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly God, we thank You for Your uh, Word, for they are uh, trustworthy and true. Uh, Lord, we can rest assured that everything that You say um, shall be done. Uh, Lord, we look to Your Word this day and recognize our own sinfulness before God, uh, realizing that apart from Christ, there is no security. Uh, that, that Christ is the only means to uh, find the restoration that we need to, to be restored to uh, a righteous standing before God and to be restored in, in holiness and to receive that, that right knowledge of God. It comes from uh, nothing that you and I are able to do, but simply from uh, Christ Himself as we look to Him and receive Him by faith. And so, Lord, we pray that if there are any here this evening who have not uh, trusted in Christ and received the forgiveness of sin and the imputation of His righteousness, Lord. Uh, we pray that if it be Thy will that You would uh, create in their hearts uh, a faith and that they would look to, to Christ and not themselves anymore for, for righteousness. And Lord, we pray that You would help we who believe here this evening to continue to, to look away from self and to continue to fixate our gaze upon Christ all the remainder of our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name we pray. Amen.